This experience is best with headphones. This is a program in partnership with Open and Clear Broadcasting. For more information and additional programs, visit us at openandclear.com. For any questions you would like us to focus on, comments about the show, inquiry about advertising with us, or just want someone to talk to, please visit us there at openandclear.com. Welcome back to another episode of False Prophet. This is Dr. Mark, and I'm here with Reverend Devin Devine. This is the March 22nd episode. Uh, hey, Devin, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. How's it going? Pretty good. It's been rainy here. You know, it has today as well, yes. So we are oh, connected to the rain. Yeah, you guys never get rain. Yeah, hardly, hardly. True. That's good. Anything exciting and new these days? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a picture of you uh, playing with your little boy. Yeah, we're jumping. On Facebook. We're doing, we've done it a few times in the house, and he just loves it, so I, I wanted to do it outside. And Yeah. It looked like up. good exercise. <laughs> yeah. I think that was like the third time I did it there, so I was like getting weak and like uh, not jumping very yeah. hard. <laughs> that was like he was having fun though. It's a Treyu, right? Yeah, a Treyu. Yep. A Treyu. Awesome. He's been joining me on my "I Am a Course in Miracles" podcast. Uh, yeah, I think I saw some of that. Oh yeah, oh, that's cool. pretty cool. Yeah, I was I was looking through all the podcasts that you have. Avoiding, I don't like listening to my own voice, but I like listening to all the other ones that you had. Yeah, apparently, <laughs> apparently I, I love listening to myself. I just, just keep recording myself here. <laughs> nice. That's really funny. It's, it's well, I was, I was thinking this week, um, I've been reading a lot about heroin and heroin addiction and like uh, the chemical and physiological basis for like oh. drug addiction and addiction <laughs> in general and stuff. And I noticed a lot of what Mormons teach is uh, they have like addiction recovery programs and they have the word of wisdom where they teach you to stay away from alcohol and drugs and, and even anything that can form like addictive personality disorders like gambling or like pornography or sexual addictions or anything like that. Okay. And I wanted to get your take on addiction or like how you would help somebody who was a heroin addict or how would you help somebody oh. overcome addiction? Okay, what would you, be just, your, you just said a million yeah. different things. You, you said three, and you want to go with my take first or how I would help? I want to see what your take is first. Like, what, How do you view addiction? Because we talked about um, the way that you view like desire and stuff like that. Yeah, so the, it's, it's, it's tricky. It's tricky. I always say that, but it's tricky. Uh, because it all depends on really what angle in which we're looking at it. And most of us are looking at the angle of having free will and having uh, death be a, a negative thing. And so we, we don't want, we want to help someone to get out of that scenario of being addicted because we want them to 
you know, be happy, right? And it seems yeah. happiness, you know, it seems like happiness would would not equal into an addictive personality where they're just stuck in misery and stuff and keep trying and trying and trying and not getting, you know, getting anywhere or something. Uh, mm -hmm. And and we don't want them to eventually overdose and kill themselves and and things like that. And so it's it 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 gets it gets tricky because you're in the world and you want to be of the world and and you want to use the world's laws and the properties and and everything in order to conclude with what would be best for somebody. Um, okay. It is it is tricky because everybody has even the person you're helping has a different you know take on what is necessary in life to be happy and you know what what death is about and and everything all these combinations of all sorts of different perceptions and and scenarios that we've been through and uh so it so the actual idea if i if i might kind of try and sum it up of what drugs are just like any drug i mean caffeine and and uh, shampoo and anything really is is there so okay <laughs> <laughs> let's try and calm down here Devin speaking of caffeine uh, okay no um, the body and your energy system your body is an energy system and it's not actually a physical system so everything including the sunlight and everything you inf influences you and influences mm -hmm. the way your body reacts or moves and and does things differently of course you're you're probably studying a lot about medicine right now and and mm -hmm. and even these negative forms of medicine that we call drugs and somehow put set them aside from these healthy drugs or helpful drugs and and what seems to be a negative drug because addiction quite literally is the imbalance of uh, you become reliant, reliant on that uh, drug, mm -hmm. which I wouldn't say any of these, a lot of these helpful drugs, you're not reliant on them as well. But so we take it back into a, a, a scenario where your body is an energy system and you're actually, uh, the reason you would be reliant on anything, no, let's not go with reliant. The re what it would be doing is influencing your energy to frequency, a different frequency or a different amount of energy or a density of energy. Uh, and that would bring you a different perspective on the way you see the world. And your body seems to react differently and act differently uh, because of the frequency you have, are now more in conducive with. And you start seeing the world differently like hallucinogenics and stuff. You literally see the world differently. Yeah. And, and uh, and that whole scenario really is is about the fact that you are not actually doing anything different than you would be if you were meditating and you meditated on the idea of heroin, for an example. And you can bring about and you can actually induce this same experience or this pain-free experience of what heroin is actually doing to you uh, because the idea of thought is actually the same thing as the idea of a physical element uh, that seems physical. And what is in between is that energetic world, that spirit world where everything from thought is manifest into a spirit world, then manifests into this physical world. And you can use physical things in, to influence the energy and it's really the same exact thing. 
uh, in the same sense of coming to an experience through meditation, you can also come, you can also retain or, or keep yourself from an experience, like taking a drug if you're good enough, in maintaining a mindset, you can actually not be influenced by the drug whatsoever. As they, many uh, talk about yogis in India and stuff that have, I think of Ram Das specifically and his teacher, and Ram Das was uh, experimenting with uh, hallucinogenics, LSD, and mm-hmm. gave, he, he has asked his yogi to just take a couple and he grabs those whole handful and he takes them all, like seven of them or something. And he, as they're just sitting there meditating or being there, whatever, talking, and he, he noticed no change whatsoever in his teacher. And, uh, and, and in that same sense is, you know, the mind is choosing to experience something. And even if it is looking for it in a drug or something, no matter what, ultimately, if we want to scrape it down to the surface, or scrape it down to the depths, the core of whatever it is. Man, I keep saying the wrong words. Okay. <laughs> is, is that everything is a placebo. Okay. And the mind is, is quite literally doing it to itself and choosing the experience that it goes through. So some drugs, helpful drugs, work for some people and some do not, and we don't necessarily know why. And it is often, I mean, I would conclude that it is because... Simple, simple belief in it actually working or faith in it actually going to happen is, is, is the core root of all of it. That's actually something we, we've talked about in medical school quite a bit. Is um, There's a, an effect called the placebo effect, which everyone's familiar with, but yeah. they've taught us a new effect called the nocebo effect, where if for some reason uh, patients think that the drug doesn't work because they read online or you know, they, yeah. they've, someone told them, oh, that drug doesn't really work. The drug won't work. Like even a yeah. real drug that's a real substance that hits real receptors and has a physiologic basis, yeah. for some reason, in a certain <laughs> potential awesome. of people, it just doesn't work. And we have to account for the effect that the mind has on these different drugs. So I think that's really interesting that you bring that up. So it's called the nocebo? nocebo that's effect? what they told us. They said it's the nocebo effect. That's, that's you can awesome, actually right? invalidate a drug that should kill you or should like heal you or do something to you. Just invalidate it somehow. That's, that's cool. That's actually, yeah, I guess that's considered scientifically proven to be occurring. Yeah, that's yeah. a thing. It's a real thing. <laughs> that's awesome. Because <laughs> I thought I was just making up crap. <laughs> uh, so, so where do we want to go with that? Oh, okay, well, so, so I, I yeah. have a, a branch off of that is so any any drug in marijuana hallucinogenics or anything is just really opening up to to use easy terms to understand is just opening up or expanding your energy in some way and and you're doing it by allowing it to happen and your your consciousness is is wanting and desiring it for for it to happen and uh, so the reason things often lead to death in these drugs or overdose or anything is because you know, they're, they're one, allowing that to happen, and two, in the occurrence of, of ad, what it's doing is you're no longer retainable in this position of the physical perspective or the physical dimension, and that you're actually, you're expanding beyond or below the uh, being able to be experiencing the physical body anymore. So while we, while we still see a body still there and it's, de- it's dead, the continuation of what they are is, is now elsewhere. 
and and that kind of opens up a whole nother thing. I don't know if you want to get into this, but even if in my realm or in this world that I'm perceiving, someone might die, but they also could just continue on uh, in in a, even a physical world, another universe, another experience, and uh, yet those who see death still in the same way actually see death happen while they have moved on to a more evolved state. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's actually one of the topics I wanted to bring up today too, is like, cool. if so one of the things that Christ did in the Bible is he went around um, casting evil spirits out of people. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I wanted to see if you die, and then lots of religions believe the spirit sticks around, and can still interact with this, this world. And people think of spirit guides and stuff like that. So I mean, what happens when you die? Like, do they perceive themselves in a fifth dimension or a fourth dimension or something? Well, there is this multitude of endless variations of what could happen. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's not just in theory. That's like, if, the, if there was a fact, uh, if we did eventually define what happens at death, is that the multitude of experiences is just endless, but it, it all has one, one correspondence, even as this reality does, and uh, the spirit world before this, and that whole experience is, is that the mind, or the consciousness that is there, perceiving, is still choosing what it's doing. So even though we don't remember that we chose to do this physical body experience, um, it, is, it is continuing until we ultimately choose not to anymore. However, the choice isn't as simple as simply just choosing not to. It is, it is a choice to not believe in any possibility of negativity whatsoever. And if you get to that choice or the forgiveness of complete all negativity or retracting your belief in the knowledge of good and evil, uh, you, you then have the option, you're choosing an alternate state of the universe. And uh, that is, is what is the spirit world. Uh, the physical world is a representation of somehow having an opposite to the idea of positivity. It's not positivity, it's, it's, it's energy, it's just a natural expression of love, the love of God. And so the idea that there could be an opposite is quite literally just a space where you think there is an absence of love. There isn't actually like the experience of hate. So as far as death is, is <laughs> there is an, <laughs> maybe you can get more specific on, uh, you know, what types of theories that could be, and we can get... Well, like, the, like a Mormon teaching is, we came from a pre-mortal life of just spirit body. Mm -hmm. We come to this mortal existence to get a body, yeah. and then when we're done with this body, we leave and go back to our pre-mortal just spirit body. Yeah. I guess that would be like moving back to the second dimension. Well, we wouldn't, uh, the second dimension doesn't have the definition of a physical body. So the difference between the spirit paradise, or in, according to the church, a spirit prison or spirit paradise, uh, then it has a definition of a physical body, or it has what it is believed in as a past. So it actually oh. believes that it grew up and now has died. So, and we didn't have that in the second dimension of just pre-mortal. Yeah, even as we came here to get bodies, it is really the definition in our mind and that consciousness that's doing this whole thing, experiencing, is now we have a definition to even our spirit bodies, a shape of what we know as, you know, what we call now a physical body, but even after death, according to the church, is the unlimited version and then unlimited a spirit body 
but in the shape of your physical body, but without the laws of physical body. Mm. So do we ever get that physical body back in like resurrection and stuff? Yeah, the resurrection is, is what the sixth dimension is. And so in the, the fifth dimension, you would be in a whole new era. So it's a whole new era of existence. And this last era, the pre-existence, is a second dimension without the definition of the physical. And then we came into this physical body with limitation. So the resurrection is now the body experience of what is the fifth without limitation. So it's called the resurrection because it is quite literally without laws of what is physicality. So there is, there is no real limitation on what one can do and even raised from the dead is not even a concept to it because there is no, it's not death in the same sense. Like in this, in this idea is what, where Jesus was actually experiencing in the world and so his think, thinking process was not anywhere remotely close to the limitation process of our minds in this physicality that where we think death is actually occurs. Okay. Yeah. So as he yells to, uh, I wanted to say Judas, but he yells to, what's his name? That, uh, that he raises from the dead. He yells to him three times. Lazarus. Yeah, Lazarus. As if he's in the room. As yeah. if he can hear him. Yeah, he knows that he's there. He knows, come on, dude, come on, get up. <laughs> you know, he's, he's not, everybody else is saying, you know, he's dead, raise him, help, help us do something. And he, it doesn't even cross his mind, really, that death even happened. So was Lazarus only dead as the other people in the room perceived him to be dead, but Jesus exactly. never perceived him to be dead at all? Exactly, yeah. Because in the idea of, of the resurrection is quite literally limit, limitlessness, and that is also knowing and experiencing every mind and spirit around and seeing them and knowing the whole experience is unlimited. So, you know, there's people who say they can commune with spirits and people and stuff like that yeah. on the through. Do you, is it possible for us in the third dimension to commune with spirits or do we have to raise to a higher dimension to be aware of them? Well, while we are third dimensionally focused, it is completely impossible. But we are mm. the fourth dimension, okay? So it is the branching out from the fourth dimension into believing that the physical world is is the solid kind confined only rules you know everything science can prove about physics and all this stuff and and everything you believe that is the laws of what can happen so the what most people usually are tapping into the spirit world is is the fourth dimension in my experience is what most people in the church call the spirit prison and, and it is quite literally going into a, a death experience or entering into that feeling of what is the spirit world because we are in the fifth dimension now, yet we are focused on the third and the fourth, most of us second, third, and fourth. And so we are learning and training our minds to actually come into that spirit paradise position where our minds are joined, our minds are connected in the entirety of, you know, unlimitedness in this experience of, of souls. And so connecting to uh, communicating and actually asking questions and getting responses is more like a, a field of, of energy as if there is a remnant of consciousness 
and you're tapping into this remnants of consciousness where all memories are. And so, so really they're, they're not actually tapping into an experience of the soul because what we know as the soul in the fifth dimension is almost, con is almost uncomprehensible to us while we are believing that the physicality, that we are, you and I are actually separate. So it, it, that doesn't actually correspond with the reality of the spirit world in the fifth dimension. No one is separate. And for an example, uh, in my, when my brother died, it was instantaneous that he knew the entirety of my life and the reasons I was doing what I was doing. And before he died, he told me uh, stuff about how he didn't understand and that, you know, the church is the only true church and, and all that stuff. And then when he came to me, literally the minute he died, he, he said, I understand you now. I get it. Please take care of my family. And he disappeared. And, and it, you know, that was a conclusion for me. That was an, an, a wonderful thing for me because just, just realizing for a few things, I mean, just that he did accept me and that's great, wonderful. And then, and then realizing that I knew exactly when he died and I even talked to her later and it was 11.04 and <laughs> that experience uh, and how quickly and how fully immersed he was already in the spirit world. Literally in the same Right minute. after death. Yeah. Instantaneous. And does that happen for everyone, do you think? I think it does, because even in my experience, uh, my death experience, it was all, everything right in that moment, and it didn't seem more than a blink of an eye uh, when I came back. Yeah. Mm. And my whole life flashed before my eyes as if I lived it again backwards. And then mm -hmm. the future of my contract and all this stuff, it's pretty intense. So you don't have to actually physically die to experience that fourth dimension death. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was seeking it out. I was deliberately going for it. And I was given the choice uh, without words, but it, in, to describe it in words was, if you really want to get out, if you really want to stop doing this, you can. But you need to remember why you came here in the first place. And so I was recalled then everything that I, the whole plan of my entire life. And, and I, cha I chose in that moment to come back and fulfill that. And in the choice, the choice had nothing to do with coming back to fulfill it. The choice was to have a resentment because um, it, it, I needed to believe in something opposite of love in order to experience a world that believes in opposite of love. And that was your purpose in being here? Uh, no, it's still, it's still fulfilling. I'm, oh. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> That's interesting. So here's one question I've always had about a lot of religions. Um, a lot of religions teach mastery over the physical body so that you can be more open to those kind of spiritual experiences. Like mm -hmm. Mormons will fast and kind of subdue that, their physical needs to have more spiritual, you know, feed their spiritual. Yeah. Or yogis will first... Uh, they'll control their physical body. And when their physical body has been mm -hmm. controlled and refined and stuff, then they can have spiritual stuff. Yeah. Is that something that you think would help people to have that kind of death experience and to awaken to their sense of purpose? Uh, I do Does believe... Does the physical it, body hold us back? I did get there from attempting to trigger my negativity 
in every direction possible. And we did talk about this a little bit last week about being with some uh, community where it was okay to lash out on each other. And mm. that was, as long as you're aware enough of what you are triggering and what is happening in your mind, that the resistance that you have to that experience, it does seem like a negative thing. And so the mind, the mind can surely open up into the experience when it takes that, it takes that specific event, uh, painful or not, uh, and accepts that wholly in an experience of, instead of being a, a reason to hate or a reason for war, it, it now literally changes uh, the perspective to a reason to love. And when you get, eventually get to the mindset where everything is a reason to love instead, everything, that you literally can't be contained by the, this idea of the body anymore. And that's, that's kind of where, what I feel like, as far as the definition of what it is, uh, happened to me in my death experience. Is then the reason I had to come back is because I, I had to believe, or the choice to believe in a resentment or an opposite was the only way to return. Super Am I being clear enough? Because I feel like I'm stumbling on my words a lot today. I think so. Um, so what, what causes that change? Like, I think that's really interesting where you take a reason to go to war or hate to just want to kill and destroy, and you turn it into a reason to love and, you know, be that way. Well, what is it that causes that catharsis? Well, this is a term that really is hard to grasp because already in most people's definition of it is a misunderstanding of what forgiveness is. So forgiveness is not necessarily just a pardon of something happening to you. Um, forgiveness is quite literally the realization, and I'm going to use terms here because it can be understood several different ways, but the realizing uh, that the entirety of the world, no matter what is happening, is God forgiving it to you, is giving it to you, no matter what it is. And it is always a lesson than for you to receive that love and learning how to receive that love. So that has a multitude of ways to understand that. But to realize that everything is God giving you what you're asking for and giving you the lessons to perceive him again, it is going from that knowledge of good and evil, attempting to get back to simply the knowledge of God and of eternal life, I guess. There's even a tree about that, isn't there? Mm -hmm. okay. and, that, and that's the difference, uh, is coming from that. Maybe you can get more detailed in a question about that. Well, so religions like... I was reading in the Bible. The Bible says, if you have any odd against your fellow brethren, go and forgive your fellow brethren before you ask forgiveness yeah. from God. Yeah. And it, you know, it talks about the role of forgiving us each other. Mm -hmm. So is that, I mean, how is that? Do we give love to each other? Or what is it that we're actually giving to each other? So when you realize that no one actually has free will, but it is all God teaching you and a attempting to get you to claim responsibility of the entirety of what is happening. Then you look at your brother again, and, and with that realization, you realize they're completely innocent in what they're doing, that it is quite literally as if 
God's taking what's in my mind and what I believe about myself and painting it in front of me so that I can see what I believe. So I can see that, you know, I've been, I believe in victimhood and that it's even a possibility. And therefore, then it manifests in front of me. God creates it for me to show me that, yes, it's true. You believe in victimhood. And the whole purpose of, of that it happening is so that you can choose again to, to not believe that there is an opposite to the entire experience being love. Mm-hmm. And we have to redefine love for a lot of people too. Yeah. I mean, because we try and, de- really we try, we've been trying for years trying to define what love is. And you know, what is love, a chemical reaction between two people and this experience, but that's, that's more, as far as this definition is, that is more effectuation. And uh, so actual, the love of what is, quite literally, what is the expression of God? Uh, it is the entirety of all energy of the existence of the universe. Okay. So when I forgive somebody else because of all the bad stuff that they've done, I'm not really forgiving them. No. I'm forgiving this idea in my head and trying to reconnect with the love of God. Yeah. It's like you're, you're actually doing this all alone. And it does seem like other people, and it seems like there's endless learning and, and all this stuff, that, this labyrinth, this huge labyrinth that you can just be being tossed every direction. And yet you're really completely, and it seems depressing, but you're completely doing this alone as if you're asking a question or continuing to ask questions to the universe. And God is that universe making everything around you, answering your question, trying to answer your question so that you can know him because he is everything. And, and that is whatever you make of it. Whatever you ask the question of the universe, you know, if you really want to know, if, if any of us really want to know what happens after death, nothing's going to hold us back from dying and going there. But a lot of us don't actually want to know because we're not done yet. We're not done with this life. So uh, I listened to Bill Maurer, who's a devout atheist, and it's interesting to hear some of his, his thoughts on God. Okay. And one of the things he talks about God is... Um, he was talking to the Christian once, a Christian, they were talking about prayer and answers to prayer. And Bill Maurer says, so at best, your religion teaches that God answers prayer sometimes, but the majority of the time you never get any kind of answer. But I'm, I'm starting to think now that maybe the flaw in that reasoning is he's expecting like a verbal answer or something. But you're telling me that whatever God is showing me is the answer, like my existence is the answer from God. Yes. So, I mean, are there other people in my life? Do I experience other people? Or is it all just a fabrication inside my brain? Well, that's the difference between here in this era of existence, the second, third, and fourth dimension, uh, to what is the fifth, sixth, and seventh. And you'll realize this when you die yourself. And in that experience, that there, nobody else, if there is anybody else, is like, is anybody but you? It is all you. I, I am you. But you're, you're the belief in the specific aspect of your life and your purpose to be fulfilled in that. So when we do go into this spirit paradise where we can look into the, the bowl or whatever it is and we can ask someone 
ask about anybody's life and we can experience that, we are quite literally recalling the, the completion of our, our existence together. So I, as I, I can recall your life firsthand, even as I can recall mine. And so does that reaffirm to you that we're all the same being then? Well, it is going back to that experience, ultimately, yes. I mean, we never actually got out of that whole thing, but this era of the second, third, and fourth dimension is the idea of becoming separate, as if we can explore the entire world, you know, instead of being one person exploring the entire world, be a multitude of uh, billions of people exploring every aspect of the world and having different perspectives and completely different stories is every nook and cranny of the entire existence of, of the world and ultimately the universe will be explored. And when you die, you experience all that? Yeah, you have the, well, in these, in the fifth, <coughs> sixth, and seventh, you have the opportunity to experience all of that, yes. Including every so when, possible life of Mark, not just this one possible Mark. Oh, wow. So all the infinite possibilities of stuff. Yeah. It's interesting. One of the, I went home for Christmas, and the night I flew into town, um, <clears throat> my wife tells me that my, one of my good uncles, my uncle Paul, died that night. Mm -hmm. And I was actually really looking forward to seeing him, and it really bummed me out. And he's an interesting story because he was a devout Mormon his whole life, went on a mission, but then fell away from the church. And he, when we went to his funeral, I thought it was interesting that um, even like the day he died and like days before he died, he would call up people just to talk about religion because his whole life he, had, he wanted to know, is there a God? Is there a religion? Like, what is the truth? He spent his whole life looking for it. <clears throat> and one of the things that people kept saying over and over again at the funeral is, well, now that he's dead, he sees the truth and he knows what religion is and he sees the yeah. truth and all that. And I've always wondered, you know, is that what happened when he died? Did he get access to the truth that he sought his whole life for and never found? Is that maybe why he died is because he finally ultimately realized that truth? I would suggest that, that that being true, that he does, he did desire it enough to go there. Yeah. And it's, you know, death is not at all anything to be averted from. I mean, absolutely that uh, the time isn't necessarily theirs yet, and you don't, you know, don't, don't be going killing yourself or anything. I'm not <laughs> suggesting that. But, I mean, if you did desire above all else to experience death, you would die of natural causes today if you did that. Yeah. But even, like, you had the choice and came back because you still yeah. have more work to do. Yeah. So, I mean, everybody is given the opportunity to see that. And since their script is written, even as my script is written, I was deliberately attempting to get out of this dream, to get out of this world, to get out of anything, any of perception at all. And that's, that was like, I, okay, you got here. You're out. Now you just see why you were doing this in the first place. And it revealed to me everything. And so I chose to come back. But it wasn't like a fear of death or an aversion to being dead. You had a purpose you were working towards. Yeah, I was letting go of all fear and experiences and family and everything. Hmm. My, my choices were to resent uh, Zoe at the time and her misconveying my message, as I would put it. 
and or what I was trying to do and uh, then also the purpose of my family that I really desired to have for myself. Like a Treyu and stuff? Yes. Mm -hmm. And two to come. So what is it about being in this, you know, physical body and this physical body-minded, you know, being centered on this idea of physical body that holds us back from that realization? Well, I mean, in order to keep us involved, it, it can't be, it can't be perfect. I mean, if we didn't fear death, we wouldn't want to continue. We wouldn't want to seek out everything and experience every idea of this separation, or every nook and cranny of this planet. Uh, you know, we would remember and we, you know, we'd fall into so-called difficulty and we'd be like, okay, that's it, pull and plug. Nah, yeah. but I'm gone. Yeah, so but the it, fear of death keeps us here to search. Well, it is the fear of dead death. It is the existence of fear of death, and that literally being the opposite of what is the love of life. And and that's who you are. You are the experience of love of life. So you are love, and you are life, and that's of God. So in the experience of what you are, this world of opposition is quite literally the choices between the love of life and the fear of death, which ultimately is the same thing, but one can't be experienced while the other one is believed in. So what is all the pain in life and all the suffering that people go through? Technically, like, what are the... like detailed, like you want, you want factual, well, not factual, but uh, you want the actual explained it to you what it is? Like, we learned, like, in medicine, we're talking about all the opiate receptors and all the different ways that we can try to numb pain in mm -hmm. people. And it's this thing that everyone wants to get rid of in their own body, but they can't. They have no conscious control over it. So we try to put a physical element to try to dull that pain because mm -hmm. nobody wants it. But their own body is creating it, but they have no choice over it. Yeah. So, like, well, what... But you're saying that the, the true existence is being the love of God, and there is no duality. There's just the love of God. Yeah. The idea of pain in our life is just a, an illusion or an idea that we're holding. Well, right? you're not far from it. You're not far. I mean, even the I, pain is quite literally the fear of death. You're, you're experiencing love always. No matter what you think you're experiencing, you're experiencing the love of God all the time in every scenario. So while I have a definition or a judgment of something else happening, uh, like pain, then I have resisted the love in my life in that area. So everything, the body and the world, is all symbolic of, let's say, different aspects and frequencies of what love is. So when one thing keeps occurring in my life or a pain is, is in my leg or something, that it can literally be defined as your resistance to authority and moving forward and stuff like that and allowing the love of that to naturally be occurring. So if where we were to really help our patients in the best way, then we would help them understand or explore out why they're feeling the pain rather than just trying to dull it. It is true. And I believe that this entirety is kind of a psychological event. So this mm -hmm. whole universe really is. And it can't necessarily be solved by simply listening and asking questions, but that we can get down and into what we believe is occurring and why we believe that that's actually happening, but it has to be on a basis that nothing is happening. 
It has to be on a basis that you are completely in an illusionary world and you're projecting everything onto this fog, this, this energy cloud of love. So it all has to come down to the one same thing. So like I'm in a sleeping dream, I'm seeing only my mind. And let's say that's love. And then I'm putting all these images and experiences and, and events on there. And let's say I'm, I'm actually, the dream starts getting fearful. And it only happens for a, a little bit of a second when, I, when the whole dream lasted for like, let's say, a half an hour. And then just the last second I got fearful. And guess what happens? I wake up. So that idea of waking up from a dream, a sleeping dream, is death to the dream world. Okay? It's the and same thing here. Of death keeps you in the dream? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and, and wanting to get out. And, you know, there's multiple choices there. Uh, it's the same thing here. As when we do die, you're going to remember and you're going to be like, oh, look at me. I'm up. That was all just a dream. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to be able to review all of it and... and enjoy each other again i mean we're gonna be like hey man you were my worst enemy in life that's awesome <laughs> we did such a good job in playing that part well i the the mormon church teaches a lot about that like yeah. they say whatever issues you have with people in this life in the next life it'll all disappear but they never have a reason it's also an ethereal thing but you're saying that this is like a dreamlike state and as soon as we wake up we'll be able to make sense of it yeah our waking life. now i don't know if if you put it together or not yet, but I'm quite literally talking about firsthand experience of what the church teaches about the plan of salvation. And yeah. this, this is like firsthand experience. <laughs> so when we have pain in our lives that are from us not being willing to accept something or having false beliefs, can we use forgiveness to overcome that kind of pain and discomfort absolutely. in our lives? Yes, absolutely. How, how does that process work? You just say, I forgive you or something? Well, it is, it is completely unique to that specific scenario, person, and event. Um, so however, we have to learn how to forgive in our own way? Yeah, uh, yes, in a way. And there's always support, and I can help, and all that stuff. And someone willing to see that it is ultimately the entirety of being the same one love experience. You have to have you know, that as a foundation in order to get there, to actually get to that experience. And let's say you're, you, it is a pain in your leg or something, uh, then you, you f the difference between that tension, that pain and you're holding, is once you get to that forgiveness or that healing, you will feel the complete ra relaxation. You will feel this complete you know, joy in that scenario and in physically a relaxation. Uh, that it, you know, even if I, if I did believe in, in Jesus to heal me and he was here and he healed my leg, then I would get to relaxation as well. I would feel the joy and feeling of, of love in that scenario, in that position, in that place in my body that hurts. So it's getting so to that, that same the, place. Like in, is that what the scriptures talk about when it says Jesus went healing the sick and people? Is that what he was doing, was teaching forgiveness for these things? Well, he took responsibility of all the sins of the world. And so the yeah. definition of the sin is a misunderstanding. Um, a lot of people think of it as actions. And the actions occur because there's a misunderstanding about how the universe and what the universe is. And it naturally occurs because we believe in the physicality or the opposition to love. So when we realize in, in complete right-mindedness that it is all love, 
naturally occurring around him that is in that consciousness, is in that realization of it all having that basis of love, then it naturally occurs. And, and it, it would have to come to his attention that it was happening at all anyway, because to him it's not happening. So it, you bring it to his attention, and then, and then it would just be like oh, a joke. It'd be like a joke that's said, as if I said, or someone came up to me and said, hey, I'm a fire hydrant. And you're like, yeah. Uh, go and be a fire hydrant no more. <clears throat> but in reality, there is no Jesus. There's just me. There's just you. It's just that one, there is God, and manifesting is different ideas. Yeah, well, Jesus is one of those manifestations, even as I am. I mean, Devin doesn't exist. Mark doesn't exist. In the same sense, it all depends on which dimension we're looking at and how we want to see <clears throat> Like, I love that idea, but I'm thinking, you know, if we bring it to other, like, the Mormon teaching of outer darkness, it says, ultimately, some people will commit sins so heinous, they'll be kicked off forever and forever excluded. Like, is that a thing, or do we all eventually come back? Uh, outer darkness could be one of those other choices uh, about what is going to be occurring, uh, but it is a choice of that consciousness. And as far as the understanding of what consciousness is, is that it would be those ideas of those people uh, not actually going to outer darkness, but that outer darkness doesn't exist, and if they went there, it would just be a simple not existing anymore. So it would be their purpose is quite literally done, as if people were just, some people were just written uh, for the story of earth, and then they don't exist outside of the story of earth anymore. And that consciousness just disappears. Yeah, and when you think about them, you're like, oh, they must be in outer darkness. Uh, but you're just, you're just putting them in a place in your mind of perceiving where they exist. However, I don't believe that whole scenario at all. So even with that, like outer darkness wouldn't be a place to be afraid of or something. Like There should be no reason to be afraid of like hell yeah. or outer darkness or something. Yeah, the only reason you would go there is a mindset. So if you trained your mind, let's put it in simple terms, if you trained your mind to see heaven in any scenario on earth, uh, and you even go in, let's say you're in the Holocaust or something, and you, some reason, trained your mind to see heaven, you're like Job, and your family's all dying and everything, and you're still having faith in God, and, and you still are choosing happiness and everything. Let's say you do die, and you go to hell, or you go to outer darkness, or whatever. You trained your mind to see heaven anywhere. So you can go to outer darkness, you can go to hell, and you can see heaven there and experience heaven there because your mind chose it. So it doesn't matter where you're going, what you're doing. If you train your consciousness to actually experience heaven or enjoy any experience you're going through, then it doesn't matter where you're going. You're in heaven. And ultimately, we don't have a choice anyway. We're just kind of going on the path that was already written for us. Ultimately, yes. And it depends on which dimensional focus we're talking about. So there should never be like a fear of hell or like to, because I've always thought it was an interesting statement in the Mormon church they teach, you know, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? You know, why would I be afraid of working out my salvation? Yeah. Am I afraid of failing or something? Yeah. So ultimately this fear of hell and everything is, is your fear, fear of your demise, fear of death. Fear, it is regurgitated over and over again that you are something other than the love of God. And so you get all distorted.
So I mean, you the reason you'd be afraid of of hell or of of any experience like that is because you you have either you you have fear or not trusting or you have guilt or are afraid of pleasure uh, or shame or you really you just don't have willpower. Uh, you you could be angry or instead of expressing love or compassion, you can have a fear. Or you can be full of lies or, and a fear of expressing yourself. Um, or you can be obsessed with illusions that don't actually exist. Or really the, the fear of insight and actually seeing the truth of reality. And, and it, it's kind of on the basis of those are, those are the, the attributes of the, ultimately the different frequencies of the rainbow. Yeah, we, and all of those frequencies operate together to form one consciousness. Yeah, one it is God ultimately mind. one light. Yeah, it's just been slowed down, and then they have different frequencies, at different speeds, in which they manifest themselves. So we should be free to just flow to any frequency that we need, and just realize that's our purpose. That's where we're supposed to be. That's what we're doing because God is showing that to us. It is. Yep. It's intense. And you're gonna go, you know, you're gonna go where you're you're going, and you're gonna be having a battle in your mind or this so-called war in heaven, and you know you're gonna bring about a multitude of experiences. It's really like, yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm I'm still in this experience of still being able to discern between reality and and this world and and all these things and getting back into it and and desiring to be actually experiencing this and, you know, coming here to be a dad and all this, this stuff. And, you know, it's just endless, endless, endless. Do you ever find yourself just getting distracted in, like, life and stuff that's happening around you and forgetting all the stuff that you know? Yeah, and once you're aware of that, at least once I'm aware of that, uh, then I am instantaneously out again because I'm realizing I want to be distracted by life. I want to be. I'm not distracted by life. I'm choosing to be distracted by life. Oh. Yeah. So it's not something that happens to you. It's something you're creating. Yeah, something that I am choosing, in my, that I am defined. I am written to make that choice. Because So it, when we're aware of what's going on, even the bad stuff, we can realize that's a choice. That's something that's a belief that's inside of ourselves that's manifesting. Yeah. The God and, is showing us. Yeah, and so if we go back to the God showing us, that we realize it is God's will in us, in the world, and the entire thing. And then you can sit with spirit and actually ask these, these questions about, you know, why, okay, why is it happening? Why, 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 why is this occurring? And it, will get in, it can get into detail about describing it to you and what it's showing in your, there's, you have these things in your consciousness that, seem to be taking up space and we call them thought and so we realize that you know we can be shown that these thoughts that we have every single day that I really have no idea where they come from and almost as if they have nothing to do with our day there's random thoughts of our past and all this stuff they can be sh the reason they're there is because we keep using them we keep using them to make choices we keep using them to to bring about another experience and we don't realize that you know we keep choosing the same path to get to the same path to get to the same scenarios over and over again. Yeah. Uh, walking in circles. And so it, it is 
a whole new dimension of our involvement that we're all going through this seeming prison of our minds. Uh, and yet we, once we all are solving it and, and Jesus being the prime example of actually have solved that. And I believe most of it happened while he was in the desert. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank, thank you, Mark. This was good. I enjoyed that. Yeah. I appreciate that. I'd I like, like how, to talk more next week. I like how we, we like keep talking and going down different subjects seemingly, and then it all comes back together. But yeah. I don't know how it does that, but I enjoy it. You were my only recording today, so... Uh, well, I hope it was good then. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, thank you. I'll talk to you next week. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Have a beautiful day.